0: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and we always like to start with the Angelus. Bishop, do you have a, an intention for us? Well, you know, here we are in in the middle of Advent, this
1: wonderful season of hope. I would just say let us remember in our prayers today all those who are perhaps living in, in kind of a hopeless way, you know, maybe some people who are experiencing depression Mm. or some kind of despair in their lives, that God will bless them with the virtue of hope. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full Full of of grace, the Lord Lord is with with thee. Blessed art thou among women, women, and and blessed is the the fruit of thy womb, womb, Jesus. Jesus. blessed Blessed art thou thou among women women, and and blessed is the fruit fruit of thy womb jesus holy Holy mary mother Mother of god God, pray pray for for us us sinners sinners, now and at the the hour hour of our death. death amen pray for us o holy mother of god that we may be made worthy of the promises of christ let us pray pour forth we beseech you o lord your grace into our hearts that we to whom the incarnation of christ your son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same christ our lord amen in the name of the father and of the The son Son and of the holy Spirit. spirit amen
2: welcome to truth in charity with bishop rhodes brought to you in part by notre dame federal credit union on this episode of truth in charity bishop kevin rhodes bishop of fort wayne south bend talks about the highlights from his recent trip to Baltimore for the fall meeting of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or USCCB. He'll talk about his new role serving on the Committee on Doctrine, plus other USCCB developments, including their discussion on immigration. Then it's on to the patroness of the Americas, Our Lady of Guadalupe, whose feast day we recently celebrated. Afterwards, it's on to the origin and meaning of the Catholic word of the week, Gaudete, And then questions submitted by listeners Including one from a diocesan priest Who's wondering about guardian angels If you would like to submit a question For a future show Or check out previous episodes Go to RedeemerRadio.com Slash AskBishop
0: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop And one of the things as we close out this year I didn't really realize until recently That this is the 100 year anniversary of the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and last month we talked a little bit about it. Uh, You were meeting with all of the bishops for the annual conference, and also during that time, we haven't really had a chance to talk about this yet, but you were elected as the Chairman of the Committee on Doctrine. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, there are several
1: committees of the conference and there are committees of bishops to work in different areas some years ago i was chair of the committee on laity marriage family life and youth Mm -hmm. it was a three-year term it was a pretty big responsibility being a committee chair there's other bishops on the committee but it's quite a lot of work throughout the years so i was kind of surprised that i was elected chair of a committee on doctrine it's a very important committee of the episcopal conference now this year i'm chair elect so i don't actually become the chair until next november okay but uh, i'm a member of the committee for this coming year kind of good preparation for becoming the chair and i will be chair for 3 years so i'm grateful to be able to serve in, in the church in this way but especially in these days you know it's not um not an easy time and we need to reach the teachings of the church and that's what the and and be faithful to the teachings and that's what the
0: committee on doctrine does so is this a congratulations because this is a great opportunity or is this a i'm sorry because you've got a lot more work to do now uh probably both but i'd say (laughs) prayers are are most important yeah Yeah. prayers for the work thanks somebody actually asked if whenever we announced that you got this position they said oh is he going to stop being our bishop (laughs) that's not the case no no not at all
1: i mean it will involve me going to washington several times to, for the committee's work the other thing i was reelected to the board of Catholic relief services and i love serving on yeah. that board so that that happened at the meeting in november as well but as you mentioned kyle you know we had a mass on um november 12th celebrating the 100th anniversary of the usccb mm-hmm. and it was celebrated by the vatican secretary of state cardinal pietro parolin and he's um very important at the Vatican. He's kind of like the Pope's number two man. Yeah, And uh, so it was great that he came to Baltimore, which is the first diocese in the United States, to celebrate that mass. But, you know, when this began, it was kind of Episcopal conferences now are mandated since Second Vatican Council. So bishops around the world, usually as a country or sometimes a few countries together, form a conference of bishops. And um, so... Ours is called the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. But even before this was something common, Mm a hundred years ago, the bishops of the United States created an organization to get together. And it was called the National Catholic War Council. That was in 1917. And really, it was called that because this happened in the— aftermath of world war Mm one and there were a lot of needs and especially there was a refugee crisis at the time Hmm. so so the u.s. bishops gathered they made this this council which is really a forerunner to the usccb especially to address the great national and also international needs at that time as i mentioned the World Refugee Crisis that emerged from World War One, And that's still something, when you think about it, here we are 100 years later, and there's a World Refugee Council uh, yeah. crisis. Yeah. So that was one of the things that, that um, one of the reasons why it was formed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so very interesting parallel.
0: Respect Life and Marriage Issues are often discussed at these conferences. And the bishops voted to issue a formal statement on pastoral plan for marriage and family life ministry. What is the process of putting together one of these formal statements? Does one person or a small committee kind of brainstorm and come up with ideas and then everybody approves it, or how does that work? Yeah,
1: as I mentioned, we follow a committee structure. You know, we talked about the committee on doctrine. Well, in this area of marriage and family life, it really pertains to the Committee on Laity, Marriage, Family, Life, and Youth, a committee that I was chair of some years ago. So the idea for a pastoral plan for marriage and family life came from that committee. Okay. So at our meeting last month, that was brought before the whole Conference of Bishops, the proposal mm-hmm. that we develop this plan a pastoral plan for marriage and family life, especially as a response to Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, which Mm -hmm. means the joy of love. So the chair of the committee on laity, marriage, family, life, and youth got up and explained this proposal, and basically it was a proposal from the committee, and then we voted. The whole body of bishops voted on whether we should go forward with this with um, preparing this plan, this pastoral plan. And it was approved overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. You know, so now what happens is now the committee gets to work on actually putting together this pastoral plan. and it'll probably then come before the whole body of bishops again for a vote after it's prepared. So it probably will be like a year-long process okay so that's what usually happens. What will
0: that plan look like? Is this going to be like a large document? I don't know kind yet. Of breaks this I down think,
1: I think basically it's the idea is to give resources to married couples to help them to strengthen their marriages and their families. So I expect there will be a lot of concrete things that will be included in it.
0: Another thing that happened was the new translation of the baptismal rite was approved, which was expected. Uh, Was this debated quite a bit?
1: There was a little debate. Actually, we've been doing the new translations of the various sacraments the rites of the church like we had the big you know which took many years the revised translation of the mass right but now we're working on other things and we had already a revised translation of the rite of confirmation so at this meeting it was proposed again this was worked on by a committee the bishop's committee on on divine worship on the liturgy so we received the draft text and really the translation is of all these documents were were have been done to make them reflect more the principles of liturgium authenticum, which was a document that came out asking for a more faithful translation of the Latin mm-hmm. because it was pretty looser translations before okay so anyhow, getting back to this and and the the What we were looking at last month is the rite of baptism for children. So, to be honest, the earlier translation was pretty faithful to the Latin. Okay. So, there weren't a lot of changes. They were relatively minor changes, but some important ones, I think. Yeah, it was approved overwhelmingly. The only debate was, I remember from the meeting, there was a bishop who question whether a change really was needed and okay. the expense of having to print more texts and things like that but no the great majority of the bishops said yeah we need this this new translation of the order of baptism for children mm-hmm.
0: so that was important also a new committee on racism was formed and the uh, feast of saint peter claver is yes. now an annual day of prayer in response to the sin of racism can you Give us your thoughts on that
1: yeah after i think it was after the the white supremacist rally in charlottesville where we saw that awful racial hatred that the usccb our president cardinal DiNardo, the archbishop of galveston houston mm-hmm. created an ad hoc committee not a permanent committee an ad hoc committee against racism and he asked bishop george murray of youngstown ohio to be the chair of this ad hoc committee so what happened was at the meeting in november we received a an oral report from bishop murray on the work of this ad hoc committee against racism it's an important initiative because i mean when you think about how this this issue has kind of plagued our our nation's history mm-hmm. and to see when it there's a resurgence of racism is is deeply troubling so as a church it's important that we not only stand against racism but also that we try to bring bring about healing and conversion it's also very important for us to to listen to those who have experienced racism in their lives and to to help them, to give them assistance.
0: Also, a lot of of things happened at this meeting. Uh, The bishops unanimously approved the cause for canonization of Nicholas William Black Elk Sr. Do you know much about him? I didn't, to be honest, before our
1: meeting. But he was of the uh, Lakota tribe. And that tribe of, of Native Americans I believe in the areas of South Dakota and Wyoming. Anyhow, he was a a layman Mm -hmm. and he was a a catechist. And um, the Bishop of Rapid City, South Dakota is the one who, who proposed him. See, the way the process works, it begins on the diocesan level, but then the diocese has to consult the Episcopal Conference. The bishop has to consult the Episcopal Conference in the process towards declaring a person a saint. So that's what happened at our November meeting is the Bishop of Rapid City, South Dakota proposed him and of course, the bishops expressed their support. But this, uh, this man, Nicholas Black Elk was, as I said, a Lakota Indian and a, a great catechist. He uh, evidently had great love for, for the Lord and was very enthusiastic in his faith. And he uh, was appointed by the Jesuits at a mission to be a catechist and and to study the Catholic faith in more depth. And it said that he had a, just an excellent memory for learning Scripture and Church teachings. So he traveled to all different kinds of reservations, preaching as a layperson, sharing stories, teaching the Catholic faith. It said that there were probably about four hundred Native Americans baptized because of his preaching and his teaching. So he's pretty impressive life. I look forward to see um, how this cause for can- canonization proceeds. We already have one Native American who's been canonized the saint, St. Kateri Tekakwitha, mm-hmm. and I understand that Nicholas Black Elk signed a petition that supported the canonization of St. Kateri. He lived, by the way, in the Late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. So, it'll be good to see if this proceeds. So, this doesn't make him servant of God or venerable. No, that would have to come from the Vatican. Okay, this is kind of prior to that. Just
0: let him be submitted for that consideration. Yeah. So, what is the cap? The conference atmosphere like I know in the past you've said that you enjoy the community of the bishops is it is it pretty much business and we're there to work or is there some casual downtime where you get to talk with the other bishops and chat and laugh
1: yeah there is but I mean it's a lot of work because usually after early morning mass there's breakfast and and I always have a breakfast meeting because all these different Catholic boards and organizations and committees Schedule meetings at the breakfast okay. and lunch lunches during the week. So, really, it's it's pretty well breakfast, then the general meetings. We have breakout sessions into regional meetings. Lunch is often a working meeting with some mm-hmm. some board that I'm on, and then afternoon full schedule again. Usually doesn't finish until five or five thirty. And then we're generally free. So I would say it's a lot of work. But then in the evening, you kind of relax. There's a lot of receptions that are sponsored at, at the end of the meeting, like at 530 from different Catholic organizations. And you can go from reception to reception. And there's a lot of opportunities to chat with Brother Bishops. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy that. And sometimes, like at night, I'll go out to dinner with some of my bishop friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you stay up late chatting and— I don't don't have to get up So early next (laughs) morning I usually try to get Get back And get to bed by 10 Yeah
0: All right Well Whenever we come back We'll have some conversation About Our Lady of Guadalupe Also the Catholic Word of the Week And all that and more Coming up here On Truth and Charity With Bishop Rhodes Brought to you in part By Notre Dame Federal Credit Union Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman talking with our bishop. And before the break, we were talking about the USCCB's conference. And was there anything else that you wanted to discuss about that meeting?
1: Well, we had a lot of focus on immigration. I would say that was probably the longest discussion Hmm. during the week. As you know, we're very concerned about our young people and the the DACA program, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And so many of our young people that are affected by that. We also discussed um, our worries about those who are benefiting from the temporary protected status program. We have just so many people from Haiti and Central American who come from areas where they're seeking refuge, also from other parts of the country, refugees, etc. So we have vigorously opposed recent administrative decisions regarding immigration and refugees. There is not only a little majority, I mean, this is total consensus of Mm -hmm. the U.S. bishops that our country desperately needs comprehensive immigration reform. We need a path to legalization and citizenship for the millions of people who in our country who are law abiding who are paying taxes contributing to our society at the same time we know our country has the right and the responsibility to regulate our borders Mm -hmm. and to enforce our laws and we we have to do that but we won't don't want to see families separated children torn from their parents there needs to be a solution for the people who are have been in our country so many years who are unauthorized again those who obey the laws those who are paying taxes those who are contributing to our society we need just solutions Mm -hmm. so we spent a lot of time on this and as one of the bishops said this poisoning rhetoric in our country that degrades immigrants and so we oppose that it's not that's not our calling Mm -hmm. as christians you know we're to welcome the stranger we're to reach out to those who are refugees. We shouldn't just see them as problems. We should see them as our brothers and sisters. This is part of the Catholic teaching. It's part of the Catholic social teaching on the common good and the dignity of the human person. So I would say that was a, a very important issue that we continue to address. We have a committee on migration of the USCCB, led by Bishop Joe Vasquez of Austin, Texas, who is working tirelessly in this area. You probably know, we talked about here on the program before, the Share the Journey campaign that was launched by Pope Francis back in September, mm-hmm. and we continue to to do that. I mean, just to to call attention to the fact that we have 65 million people in the world who are displaced from their homes I mean, all these refugees who are victims themselves of war and violence and extreme poverty, of persecution. So the Share the Journey campaign is, is helping people to see them not as just statistics. These are human beings who are facing these great struggles. So anyhow, that was, that was an important part of, um, of our meeting, and, and there was a really beautiful unity among the bishops of the united states on this issue and we talked about how we need really greater unity among our catholic people on the mm-hmm. issue as well
0: what do you see happening in 2018 from uh, at least from a catholic perspective we, we obviously can't force the government to do anything but what do you see as our role as catholics in uh, insisting in some kind of reform in the immigration policies we have to use our the political processes which means we should be
1: contacting our representatives our elected representatives in Congress that's extremely important as constituents that they know our views in this area that we I think we do have a great responsibility to do that and this isn't a Republican issue or a Democratic issue Mm -hmm. we've got to work together both political parties and to to return to civility and discussion this issue and to again look at these people and see them that these are our brothers and sisters we're called to love our neighbor the church has always been i mean the church united states is a church of immigrants Mm -hmm. and the catholic church has always been welcoming to immigrants and to refugees and that's our mission we need to continue That doesn't mean we don't care about border security or about securing our borders. Yes, we do. That's why we need comprehensive immigration reform. And solutions should not include separating families, Mm -hmm. separating husbands from their wives, or separating children from their parents. You know, the family is the basic unit of society. We really
0: have to fight for family unification. We also have uh, two Marian feasts that we are just, uh, just had recently. The Immaculate Conception, which you talked about last week. And then yesterday was the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I know you've talked a little bit about Our Lady of Guadalupe in the past and, and how you've implemented some of that into your your coat of arms. Yes. And so maybe just a a quick reminder of Our Lady of Guadalupe and and why that's
1: important to you. Oh, she's patroness of the Americas. And I mean, when you think about it, the evangelization of America Mm -hmm. really began in earnest after she appeared to Juan Diego on the Tepeyac Hill, which is today part of Mexico City, that she came to this indigenous, native, simple christian named juan diego with a message of of great love and compassion and consolation to the people the aztec people who were in a state of of real despair and uh, they were in a state of of a great need and mary appeared to them like one of them as their tender mother and it just caused a huge conversion of millions of people to Christianity and to the Catholic Church. So, really, the evangelization of America really began in the heart of our Blessed Mother. And of course, there's so many things we could talk about the Guadalupe apparitions, the miraculous Tilma, and mm-hmm. I mean, just amazing things that if we had more time, we could talk about. But I would say um, I'd recommend people learning about early of Guadalupe and and uh, I have great devotion. I was ordained a bishop on the Feast of St. Juan Diego, yeah. which is December 9th, and that, that's the first apparition of Mary. You know, the apparitions took place across four days, so it was December 9th to December 12th. The Feast of Raleigh Guadalupe is December 12th, and but it began on December 9th. Uh, we have beautiful celebrations around our diocese. I try to go to different parishes, especially that have Hispanic communities during the on the Feast of of Guadalupe, that's always joyful. It's just a, a great
0: uh, great celebration of faith. All right. And if anybody's interested in going to Mexico City to see the Toma of St. Juan Diego or the... Uh, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe there. Redeemer Radio is, is planning a pilgrimage there, July of 2018. And the host for that is Father Fernando Jimenez from St. Dominic Parish in Bremen. So people can find out about that at redeemerradio.com slash travel. it be a great trip. And also, one other thing before we take a break and take questions from listeners, the Catholic word of the week, gaudate. Gaudete. Gaudete. Gaudate. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. Where, where, what do even? It's Latin. What language? Okay, Latin. Latin. Good. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Rejoice. Gaudete. Rejoice. And, and we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent with a pink candle, and that becomes the Gaudete Sunday.
1: That's correct, and the reason it's it's I would say the color is rose. There um, you go. But uh, because the priest can also wear rose-colored vestments on that day. Okay. The reason it's called Gaudete Sunday is because the introit of mass that day, the introit is the entrance antiphon, is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, indeed the Lord is near. That entrance antiphon is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. So, Gaudete is yes, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And the reason we have that is we're getting closer to Christmas. It's the third Sunday of Advent. So, we're we've kind of passed the midway point of Advent. We're preparing for the arrival of the Lord Jesus both in his first coming in Bethlehem, but also his second coming at the end of the world so we 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 say the lord is near rejoice so it kind of is a is a, a nice custom similarly in lent we have what's called letare sunday and it's kind of like mid lent where you do the same thing but uh-huh.
0: but anyhow yes so gaudete rejoice all right and then you get to light the rose candle correct okay yes well if you have any questions for bishop Or if you have a word that you would like to be the Catholic Word of the Week, you can suggest that by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. Or you can call our text, the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And coming up, we're going to be asking questions that were submitted by listeners right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman, asking questions submitted by listeners. Our first question comes from Father Dave. Hi, Bishop. This is Father Dave Wors from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish. A question. If I hear of a prayer need during the day, in the middle of a meeting or with a group of people, or I'm just thinking of prayer intentions and would like my guardian angel or a favorite saint to join in intercession for that particular need. Does my guardian angel hear my request by just asking it in my mind, or do I have to express the prayer need out loud for angels or saints to hear? I thank you for your input. God bless.
1: Thank you, Father Dave. I'll answer that pretty simply, but then get into it a little bit more. The short answer is, Yes. Your guardian angel hears your request by just asking it in your mind. Hmm. Um, now, what I would want to expand upon a little bit is, and this we find in Scripture and certainly in the early tradition of the church, that the saints do and the angels join their prayers with ours. We see that even at every Mass at the uh, in the preface before we sing the holy 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 the sanctus we're reminded that the angels and the saints and the angels and archangels the whole company of heaven sing with us and really the saints and the angels do know of our struggles on earth and they know of our prayers they will pray for us when we ask them to It gets a little bit difficult to understand because we're dealing with the mysteries of heaven Mm -hmm. you know some of this is not clear to us yet because not everything about the mysteries of heaven have been revealed to us by god so we have to think about it and that's where theology comes in but one of the things that i think helps us to understand is that when someone is in heaven they see god and we're not talking about physically our physical eyes we're talking about with our mind and our heart kind of we could say like the eyes of our soul in a really new and glorious way we think about that beatitude blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god so we think about the angels and the saints they're in this state in which they are able to contemplate god in his heavenly glory. And that, of course, is called the beatific vision. We can't even imagine it. It's an indescribable experience. But this is the destiny that God has for us. So we don't fully understand it until we get there. But we do know that um, we shall see God, know God as he is. Well, in doing so, when you think about the saints and the angels, if they see god as he is they also are able to see everything that god loves and one of the things god's god loves best is his creatures that are made in his own image and likeness human beings so the saints who see god also see and know about us on earth because they see us reflected in the mind and heart of the god who loves us who they see face-to-face?" Face. So anyhow, I think it's beautiful. That that question makes us think about it as a good way to think about the mystery of heaven. But again, I, that's why it's good for us to be conscious of our guardian angels and, and the saints and, and to turn to them, to realize that they're in that state of the beatific vision, that they,
0: they know our prayers. Sure. One of our listeners said, it seems I see more homeless people outside asking for money around Christmas. What is a Christian response in those situations? Should I give them money? That's a good question.
1: I like to engage a person like that. It's not just handing them a $5 bill, but maybe stopping and chatting a little bit. Mm-hmm. I find that that can be very beautiful and then also give them a little material help if one is able. sometimes, I've given people a little gift card to go to a Burger King nearby or something. Uh I think both seeing that person, uh, that homeless person, and their dignity as a child of God and a brother or sister in Christ. So to show them love just by talking with them, seeing them as a person. And then if able, give them a little hand, give them a little bit of material help. I always say I rather err on the side of, you know. Like sometimes we'll say, "Well, what if they go?" Someone will go and use it for alcohol or drugs. I always rather err on the side of charity if I can. Mm-hmm. Now it's sometimes difficult. Like I'm in Baltimore. There's a lot of people who are asking for money on the street. It's impossible to give it to everybody. You yeah. know, that can be pretty challenging if there's a lot of people. But, but I think just some good human. Interaction and communication is a good thing, and to
0: pray for that person afterwards. Okay. We have a question from Kyle Hyman from St. Mary's in Decatur. Says, oh no, I wonder who he is. <laughs> so, my wife and I budget how much to give to our home parish, and when on vacation, we're wondering if we should give that allotted amount to the church we're visiting or to our home parish or split the difference somehow? Or I guess, would you challenge us to be extra generous and continue our home parish donation, which is actually an automatic withdrawal, while at the same time, give to the parish we're attending while on vacation? Good question, Kyle. I, I mean, I'm only going to give
1: you opinion because there's no set teaching on this. I mean, you certainly have the freedom to decide how you're going to do that. But I, my opinion or my advice would be Your support of your own parish comes first, and I would make sure that your home parish, which depends on your contribution, that you would, especially you're doing it electronically, so that's helpful, that you continue to give the allotted amount that you've decided to give that to your home parish. And then at your visiting parish, just give a little extra something in the collection. That's just how I would, I mean, I guess people could disagree with me on that, but I think that would be the best way. I would also, if I'm traveling or something, and let's say I'm at a really poor parish, mm-hmm. maybe while I'm on vacation or something, might try to do extra
0: mm-hmm. if a parish is really in need that I visit. All right. Well, thank you. If you have questions, you can ask them by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash askbishop, or you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260 436 9598 and we have more of your questions coming up right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman, asking questions that you have submitted for the bishop to answer. And our next question comes from Charles Boring from Warsaw, Indiana, who said, I am divorced and currently attending an Anglican church. I have looked into becoming Catholic and was told by a priest that while I could join the church, I could not receive communion due to my previous marriages. Since receiving communion is one of the main reasons I want to become Catholic, I decided not to join. Do you have any advice? Yes, my advice to you would be to
1: look at presenting a case to our diocesan tribunal to see if your previous marriages were actually invalid. Mm -hmm. And that would then, if you had decrees of annulment of those previous marriages, then you would be free to become a member of the church and receive the sacraments, including the Holy Eucharist. So, yes, you do have to find out about the uh, the former marriages. Now, this is presuming that you're in a marriage now. If you're living a chaste life and you're no longer married or living with a woman, that's then you could enter the church and receive Holy
0: Communion. Okay. For someone, for Charles or someone in a situation like him, what's the best way to get a hold of the tribunal or to to present well, your you case? Well, you
1: can do it through, begin with your parish priest. Uh-huh. After that, it could be referred to the tribunal. Or a person could directly contact the tribunal. Just uh, give a call to the diocese and ask for the office of the tribunal.
0: Or write a letter. Might even be better. Okay. Yeah. Or email. Charles also asked, If a prisoner is on death row and is indeed guilty of the crime, but has repented and received forgiveness from Christ, wouldn't his execution be considered the murder of an innocent person? Obviously, we would oppose the death penalty and
1: we would oppose execution of a person but I would not I mean the reason that the state would be executing him was because of of a heinous crime that he committed so I wouldn't say the person is, is an innocent person even if they've repented receiving forgiveness in um they did commit a very serious crime, and that's why the state would be punishing them in this way. But as I said, we
0: disagree with capital punishment. All right. Another listener submitted the following I went to confession for the first time in 15 years. It was really, really, really hard to work up the courage that first time, yet it has transformed my life. If someone hasn't gone to confession in many, many years, How can we encourage them to take the leap to receive the mercy and joy Jesus has waiting for them if they just ask? Well, you know, I would share your story with someone
1: that you know. I would say, you know, the best way of evangelization is personal witness. Mm -hmm. And I think if you know someone who it's been many years since they went to confession and you want to encourage them, just share your experience that tell the person you know i hadn't been to confession 15 years but when i went it really changed me i received god's mercy and just filled me with joy so if you bear witness that that's an encouragement to someone else because you're personally sharing with them your story Another thing that could be helpful to a person—they may be worried because they say, "Oh, I don't remember how to go." Mm-hmm. So you can also just help her say, "Oh, the priest is going to help you." But it's very simple. This is all you have to do when you go in. You can say this and give the person a copy of the act of, contrition, act of contrition. So if they forgot it, they can pray it. So I think you know. Don't be afraid to invite people. We need. We should really invite people to to this sacrament of mercy. And again, share about
0: how meaningful that has been in our own lives of faith. And I know from my own experience and from hearing from other people, if you ever forget a step or just completely don't know how to go to confession, the priest is not going to be upset at all. He is so happy that you're there and is happy to guide you through those steps. And maybe answering the question is, in a way, responding to the question because she's asking, how can we encourage those people? And so... If you're listening right now and you haven't been to confession in a long time, uh, this is us encouraging you to go to confession and, and just take that leap. And even if it is intimidating and scary, uh, know that, as this listener suggested, there's a lot of joy in, in going to confession and being absolved of those sins.
1: And you know what? This season of Advent, I can't think of a better way to prepare for Christmas. We hope to have a Merry Christmas, a joyful Christmas There's no greater joy than reconciliation Mm -hmm. with our Lord, to return to him with contrite hearts and to receive his gift of mercy. That's what's going to make it a a truly
0: happy Christmas for people. Myself, I often try to come up with excuses to not go to confession. And one of them that I use often, and this isn't a good reason, but is I haven't done a good examination of conscience, which is something that we should do before we go to confession. Uh, Any suggestions on how long you should prepare for confession? Is a a good preparation better than no preparation, or is going to confession better than not going because you haven't done preparation? Oh, no,
1: I think there always should be preparation, because one needs to have—I mean, it doesn't have to be lengthy— But one needs a time to examine their conscience. Mm It could be that one spends an hour preparing during the week, or it could be one just spends 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it'll depend on when was your last confession. Sure, You know, you have to think about how much time. But, but yeah, you want to seriously think about your life. And uh, I find it helpful to review the Ten Commandments and to think about each one a little bit. Think about my vocation, how faithful in my own vocation. I think those are things for everybody to do. Most of us, I think, who go to confession regularly, we kind of have it down, like we know, and and oftentimes we know what our particular
0: weaknesses and struggles are that come to mind pretty quickly. And if you're looking for confession times, it's usually in your church bulletin or you can stop by your church or set an appointment with your parish priest if it's been a while and you think it might take a little longer time or something like that. If you don't want to go to your home parish, you want to go somewhere else, You can check out on on
1: parish websites, the awesome website, Hours of Confession at different places Mm -hmm. if you want to make sure there's a time that's easier for you. A lot of parishes have penance services during Advent that
0: might be convenient times. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much, Bishop, for answering the questions that we've had here. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? happy too the lord be with you and with your spirit blessed be the name of the lord
1: now and forever our help is in the name of the lord who made heaven and earth may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen thank you bishop you're welcome kyle god bless
2: join us next wednesday at noon for an all-new episode of truth in charity with bishop rhodes Bishop will talk about some of his recent travels around the diocese, including the annual mass for the St. Vincent de Paul Society, the inauguration of Indiana Tech's new president, and the Rejoice Women's Retreat. Then Bishop will talk about the various cultural traditions for celebrating the last few days before Christmas, including Las Posadas. And then he'll answer questions submitted by listeners. If you would like to submit a question, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. Or download the free Redeemer Radio app onto your smartphone or tablet and submit your question there. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.